Peace, and welcome to the second episode of Ron Do the Resolutionary Podcast, okay? And before we get started, I would just like to let you know why Ron Do the Resolutionary Podcast was created. Uh, the podcast was created uh, to have a platform that welcomes and embraces wise people from the community in which we live, young and older, to have a voice. So basically, the podcast was created just to have people, regular people on this particular podcast to talk about real things, real life situations that's going on in our community, on their lives, or, or, or for that matter, all over the world, okay? Um, this is just for those people to have a voice. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, newscasts and podcasts that have a number of celebrities and so-called intellectuals. I get it. This podcast is, is, is for the people, okay, for the people. I'm not excluding, excluding celebrities or, or intelligent people, but we want to focus on wisdom because that wisdom trumps, that wisdom trumps that, that intellect or that, that, that celebrity, okay? People who are just experienced, who have gone through some things and just want to talk about it on this particular show and how we can resolve it, you know, in a resolutionary, or should I say resolve it in a revolutionary way, all right? So keep that in mind. That's why this podcast was created. What will make this particular podcast unique? The podcast will be unique because individuals of various ages, ethnicities, and socioeconomical backgrounds will be welcome to join the podcast to discuss their perspectives of, of uh, current events, real life and lived life situations, and how they persevered, overcame, and still endure life's challenges. All right? My guest, Sheldon, will uh, uh, attempt to, to uh, enlighten our listeners by imparting their wisdom to our listeners in hopes to change their lives for the betterment uh, of the society in which we live. In short, be prepared to learn, all right? You're gonna learn through each one, teach one, all right? And as I said, these are just people who are not perfect in any sense, all right? Just basically have a degree of wisdom that, that they can impart with our listeners and, and empathize with what they may be going through and what they're, what they're uh, feeling at the moment, okay? This podcast, second episode is going to be, I'm going to dedicate this particular uh, episode to my beautiful daughter, Yurak Yushin. Uh, we call her Yurak. Uh, she, was, she listened to my first podcast and gave me some really uh, constructive criticism and some feedback. Because that first episode to me was rough, but hey, I, I had to start somewhere and I'm sure I'll, I'll get better with time. But this particular podcast is going to be called Ron Duda Resolutionary Commentaries. So I'm just going to make some comments on some things that took place in the last week involving George Floyd's death. And hey, they are my opinions. These are my opinions, not yours. You have your own. But at the same time, some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree. Some of you may want to add on it at a later time. Who knows? We'll, we'll have you to call in to comment at some time, okay, at some point in time. So let's start with, with, um, with the death of George Floyd. We, we know what took place. Uh, with the death of just his brother George Floyd, but last week they had his memorial. All right, it was a very sad memorial. I thought it was really sad. It, it, it kind of hit me hard. Um, just, just, um, just, just knowing his brother is no longer with us uh, for no apparent reason, no, no reason, no, no justified reason why this brother should not be uh, vertical at this time, walking with us, talking with us out there trying to advocate for youth in the community because he was a youth advocate, a mentor, um, a man of God. Uh, and, and I mean, come on, you know, uh, but, but let's, let's jump to the memorial, okay? Um, you have Ben Crump, his attorney, speaking 
at the um, memorial and talking about the injustices of black people like uh, George Floyd, uh, those like uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Eric Garner, to name a few. I don't know if there's somebody else I forgot I could have named, but those three people particularly um, who, was, who was killed uh, by police officers, which was very sad. So um, I don't know, and it's still, still happening. But um, yeah, he, he made a very powerful speech. But what, what, what I didn't like about the speech was that in the middle of the, of the speech, um, Ben Crump uh, felt the need to mention names or call out names of people who were at the memorial. Uh, but those names he was calling out were all celebrities. They were, they were all celebrities. And I, and I didn't understand why we had to you know, put them on a, on a, on a pedestal at, George Floyd's funeral, and I mean, and some of the celebrities he called, I'm like, I don't, I don't really care for them that much. Like, why? You know, what's what's the significance? I mean, you know, they they have their own platform. This is not about them. This is about George Floyd. And those same celebrities, I question because, again, they're more reactionary. They're not proactive. They they made their money off the backs of of of, of ignorance and off the backs of black people and so forth and so on. Um, and they're not, they're not doing anything proactive. They're trying to see how they can make their, their next million or, or, or next, you know, 100,000, whatever the case may be. And that's just the truth, and that's my opinion on that. So um, you may want to just go check out the memorial. I'm sure you all have seen it, but that's just my opinion. We can talk about that later, because I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss what, what I mean by that at a, at a later day and time on the show, all right? Also, my opinion is that although Ben Crump is a, an attorney who has uh, taken some high-profile cases, the law is the law. We could have gotten a, a local attorney in the uh, Minneapolis area to take on the case, and maybe Ben Crump would have been a guest at the memorial. Or maybe the, 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 the uh, local attorney could have taken on the case and, hey, added Ben Crump to the team. You know, Ben Crump is in Florida. I mean, he's stationed out of Florida. Well, he practices in Florida, even though he, he can practice nationwide. But that's where he, he you know, he made his, his, his uh, recognition off of um, Trayvon Martin. But he's not the only attorney out here, or not the, the only good attorney or civil rights attorney out here. So we got we to gotta be careful with that. We got to, some of these people, again, they, they get so much uh, celebrity status in, 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 in for for, for, for causes and you know and, and sometimes they just lose sight of what's really what really needs to be done for change you know think about that then you have Al Sharpton of course Al Sharpton gonna do what he do you know he, he's, he's a pastor I mean he's a reverend he's gonna preach he's gonna he's gonna rev up the crowd which he did and um, he sounds good I mean I'm not a I'm not a pastor I'm not a preacher I can't speak like that but he can I mean he that's what he does all right. Um, uh, I know he made a statement at the end of the speech about you know America get get your knee off our neck. You know how how is that? How are we gonna make that happen? All right. How are we gonna make that happen? And that's what we're working on right now. But again, it's, it's gonna take a hell of a lot of work for that for that to be to get their knee off our neck or their foot off our neck. I think it was a it was a picture I've seen one time of I think that America had their feet on our neck or something like that. I can't really recall this in my mind, but I can't recall where I saw that picture. But Al Sharpton, you know, he is who he is, and, and I, I know him from way back when. I remember know him from when I was a kid. Uh, you know, those of you who were listeners from, from Brooklyn, New York, 
He used to stand on the corner of Notion Avenue and Fulton Street in an Adidas suit with a slick hair preaching with a Bible in his hand. You know, uh, but you know, he, he made his money, he's made his celebrity status off the back of pain and suffering of black people. And let me, let me be clear on something. Um, I'm, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm not, I don't know if he's considered being critical, but it maybe is an observation, or just a fact. That the strongest of the strongest brothers from the streets of New York and abroad, they're not big fans of Al Sharpton. They really aren't. You know, Al Sharpton, you know, he, he's a fan of the church more so. And there are a lot of pastors across the nation who are fickle and oblivious to who he really is. You know, I think it was a, it was a, it was a, a sad moment when he decided to become a broad, a, a, a commentator or have his own show on MSNBC, a, a political uh, news station. You know, I, I, I thought that uh, separation, I thought it was a thing called separation of church and state. You know, politics and religion. I know that it goes hand in hand in its own way, but there's a thing called separation of church and state. You can't mix the church with, with state politics or religion with state politics. And he does it, he has a way of doing it. And that's why I, I think it's sad they call him on the show, Reverend, Reverend Al. Okay, call him Al Sharpton. Because I know when he took the contract, there were certain things he could not do to go hard for the black community uh, because it, it was a part of his contract. He's now a, uh, a part of a network. He couldn't do anything that was gonna rub off, or should I say, uh, uh, make, uh, the, make, how can I say, uh, their listening base become less because of some uh, activism he was doing in the community. So, I, you know, Al Sharpton, they could have got a local pastor or maybe the pastor of George Floyd's church or someone to be the main pastor who knew George, who could make it more personal. And Al Sharpton could have been a guest or up there on the stage to make a comment, a brief comment, and let the pastor bring it home. That's my opinion. That is my opinion. So be careful with that, okay? Be careful with that. Listen to listen to everything with a third ear and watch everything with a third eye. All right, so that you're able to fully comprehend. All right, so let's move forward. So going forward, after the, the memorial, um, something else took place last week. It was the Breakfast Club interview with Rush Limbaugh. Oh man, when I saw that, I immediately jumped on. I said, let me see what this interview is going to be about. Come to find out, it wasn't wasn't actually the the um, video interview. Um, a recorded interview was uh, um, this audio, okay? And um, if y'all don't know who Rush Limbaugh is, y'all need to look him up. That's Rush Limbaugh, it's spelled L-I-M-B-A-U-G-H. Rush Limbaugh is the face, the voice of white supremacy and right wing group. I mean, the man is powerful. I mean, he, got a, he has his own radio show and I mean, he, he, whatever he says, anything pertaining with black people or anything about uh, Democrats or, or, or progressives and so forth and so on. His base, that's, that's, that's Trump's base right there. That is the person who is, who, 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 who uh, what do you call it, blows the whistle or the dog call, whatever it is, what he, he calls on his base, or tr the Trump base. Whatever Trump is, is speaking on, he's going to back it. Bottom line, yes, he is a Republican. You know, he is a Republican, but um, like I said, I don't think the Breakfast, uh, would, want to say Breakfast Club wasn't ready for that interview with uh, Rush Limbaugh. Charlemagne, I call him Charlemagne, I can't call him by his so-called name, Charlemagne the something. I just can't, I'll tell y'all about that later. But Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and um, uh, Angelique, Angela Yee, they, they couldn't mess with this man. They, they, 
I mean, he, he, he dominated that interview. He dominated the interview. Okay, um, they weren't ready. They weren't skilled enough to deal with Rush Limbaugh. They, wasn't, they weren't wise enough to deal with Rush Limbaugh. Um, and again, I know Charlemagne has become this voice of, a, of, of, I guess, what is it, millennials? Millennial black, millennials? Definitely not the voice of black America, even though probably most people think he is, but he's not. He's not, I'm sorry, he's not. He just, he just, he just has a platform now and he's speaking in, in, intelligently and intellectually and so forth about the plight of black people. I get it. You know, he, 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 got, he got some stuff that he's sharing, but like I said, he could not, he couldn't mess with Rush Limbaugh, all right? So if you have never heard of Rush Limbaugh not promoting his show, just go check him out. Go, come, go listen to some of his antics. And I think the only people I think would have been uh, better off dealing with Rush Limbaugh would have been uh, three people I, I have in mind. That would be Cornell West, if they would have had him on the show, with Rush Limbaugh to, to talk about some things. Uh, Michael Eric Dyson would have torn him apart, would have ripped him apart, okay? And Tavis Smiley, those three people. And I know y'all may think of some other people, but those three men with Rush Limbaugh and his age group, they would have, it would have been a battle. And, I, and Rush Limbaugh knew that. And I think it was ironic that he called, I, th I believe he called the Breakfast Club to want to, to uh, be interviewed because someone his people told him about the breakfast breakfast club he didn't know nothing about it that's what he said in the interview so i think it was a setup i think it was not a good interview that, that benefited us i think it only made rush limbaugh uh, uh stronger because i'm sure his listeners who had never listened to the uh breakfast club they are listening to it so they're really hearing what's going on on the breakfast club which some of the stuff that's on the Breakfast Club is not on point, is not the the the, the 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 full voice of Black America, or the full voice of all millennials. Okay, there's a lot of followers, but again, you gotta kind of gotta listen to that show with a third ear, okay, and look at it with a third eye, and, and most of us don't. All right. So moving forward, um, the mayor of uh, the mayor of, of D.C., Mayor Bowser. Uh, she made a power move in her last year as uh, D.C. mayor, her last term, when she made, uh, created Black Lives Matter Plaza. That, that was a power move. That, that was a power move, and that was a, that was a power move by her. Um, that's all I can say. She, she did her thing, especially after Donald Trump called her incompetent. Like, this dude has the temerity to call this, this woman incompetent. Like, she is... A mayor. She's a black woman, number one. I don't know any black women that are literally incompetent. You know, black women are wise women. I don't care how much they might act crazy sometime or whatever, but black women are, 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 are the closest thing to God. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care what. All right? And, but she, she, she's far from incompetent, but it was a power move on her part to put that Black Lives Matter big painting that can be seen from the satellite that said Black Lives Matter, that was a power move. Although, let me go back on the other side, although it was a few years ago, in her first term, she wasn't that popular in D.C. You know, she was popular, but not that popular because there was a lot of stuff going on in D.C. in the area of gentrification that she supported some stuff that there were some people that were unhappy with her who felt like they were pushed out of her community. And you know how that goes. You know the, the politics game, if you don't know. 
yeah, you know, those mayors and, and, and city council people, they, they have their hands in somebody's pockets, some developers' pockets and so forth to get some things done, and, and that's where she was at the time. So if she's going to go all out with the Black Lives Matter, I, I can honestly say she has redeemed herself. So, so, so pay attention to that. You know, keep up with that Black Lives Matter movement, which I, which I um, support, and, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. But again, she really did it big with putting that particular um, painting on and, and, and making it Black Lives Matter Plaza. And from what I heard was, after they finished the painting, uh, the painting of Black Lives Matter, it immediately was changed on Google Maps, like put on Google Maps, so they didn't waste any time. So it's there. I don't know how long it's gonna be there, but it's gonna be there for some time, okay? Um, long as she's mayor or whoever, the, if the mayor after her decides to keep it, whatever, I, I don't know, you know how that goes, okay? But anyway, with that being said, with that Black Lives Matter, y'all want y'all to think about something. What will be the televised resolution? What will the, what will the televised resolution begin? Or what it would look like? I'm not saying revolution, I'm saying resolution. Ron, do the resolutionary. What will be the televised resolution? All right, it's, it's happening now. They're talking about it. They're talking about bills being passed for to stop police brutality amongst black and brown people. Um, but at the same time, there's a bigger picture. We have to go all out. We're talking about police brutality, income inequality, uh, uh, job discrimination, uh, uh, you, you name it. You know, housing discrimination, all across the board. Everything that stratified us as a people. You know, um, structural racism is, is systemic. You know, we just can't, don't get lost in this whole thing about police brutality. You gotta focus on a whole gamut of what that resolution is. How, how can we, how can, how can we resolve the conflict uh, that America has with black and brown people, African-American people, black African people, okay, black Americans? How can we resolve that? That's going to be televised, okay? That's, that you'll probably see on TV some things that are going to be resolved. But you're also going to have the untelevised revolution. The untelevised, should I say, the untelevised revolution meaning the revolution will not be televised. Big ups to uh, Gil Scott Heron. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. All right, let me, let me share some of you all people. There is going, there, there are going to be some revolutionary activities that are gonna take place that's not going to be seen on TV. And what you're not gonna see on TV can, can possibly hinder the resolution that we are asking for, demanding. So don't get caught up in, in what's on TV. Those some issues gonna are going to be resolved on TV, but the revolution, the real power, the change, you're not gonna hear about it. You're not gonna see it because there's gonna be those laws being written every day, every month, every quarter, every year, with 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 the uh, Senate and the. Uh, House representative, things of that nature that you, you, most people are not going to know about until it's, it's too late. That's the revolution that will not be televised that, would, that Gil Scott Heron was talking about. So don't sleep, people. Don't sleep. Remember, there's a masses of people that are out there that are, that are out there on the streets for, for good reason. You know, I, I, I commend everyone that's, that's, that's out there for the worthy cause. I get it. Been there, done that. 
at the same time, you know, um, there's a revolution that's, that's taking place that you won't hear about. And that's what we need to be paying attention. There's too many people paying attention to what's in front of them, what they can see with the two physical eyes, physical eyes, but they're not talk, they're not looking at that unseen. That which is all powerful is unseen. And that's not gonna be televised. So we need more people to focus on what's not televised, which which is probably gonna be emphatically impossible to do, but we need more people to focus on what's not being shown on TV, what's not being said in the media, but what's being put on paper as we speak, as legislations are being written, or, or executive orders are being written, or judges are making decisions, Supreme Court judges are making decisions. We have to focus on that too. Okay? It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. It's called 5%, 10%, 85%. Okay? 85% of the people who don't know, fickle, are fickle and oblivious, who, are, who, who don't really understand what's really going on. Then you have that 10% that know what's going on, but they feed and, and, and uh, thrive off those who don't know, which is the 85%. Then you have that 5% that just know the truth, know the absolute truth. Don't waver for no one. Don't waver for the 10% or the, or the 85%. You know, they're the ones who just want that truth. They're, you who are listening to the show are, are considered a part of the 5%. And if you're not, you should be a part of that 5% of population who knows the truth, okay? Those are the people who, 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 who will never sell themselves short for any reason. They're gonna always be here for the cause, not because it's popular. They're gonna be here for the cause, all right? So um, I don't know if I'm, you know, finished, uh, you know, c commenting on a particular show, but let me see where we are with our time. Okay, yeah, so we, we, we're gonna close out this show at this moment. I'm not gonna um, talk your ears. I just kinda want to just get a feel and feel comfortable putting this information out there. This is what the show is going to be about. We're going to have real conversations. Some of the conversations are going to be somewhat, or topic matters are going to be kind of structured, but never are they going to be, um, what's the word? They're never going to be uh, scripted, okay? We're just going to have some, some bullet points and some topics we need to discuss, but we're going to go hard, and we're going to talk about some real stuff on this show, and I'm so grateful that you tuned in to Ron Do the Resolutionary. Um, I hope you like the show. hope you uh, uh, subscribe to the show. I uh, want to get as many listeners as possible. Pass it on. You know, let them know I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. I'm a cousin. I'm a friend. I'm a family member. Just, just, just listen. Let me know. Give me some feedback. All right? It, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. All right? With that being said, I'd like to tell you again, I am Ron Duda Resolutionary, and I am signing out, and I appreciate you all listening. Again, and uh, and uh, like I said, just stay tuned for uh, stay tuned for episode three. Um, that will be coming up in the next few days, probably by next Sunday. Until we kind of get a grasp of things, and who knows, I may be putting out the podcast two times a week, or just may maybe once a week for now. So bear with me, okay? Thank you again for listening. I'm Ron Do, the Resolutionary. Peace and blessings to you all, and uh, stay safe. And uh, again, don't take things on face value. Listen with a third ear. Look at things with a third eye. And pay attention to the revolution that will not and is not being televised. Peace and blessings. I'm out.
Peace, and welcome to the second episode of Ron Do the Resolutionary Podcast, okay? And before we get started, I would just like to let you know why Ron Do the Resolutionary Podcast was created. Uh, the podcast was created uh, to have a platform that welcomes and embraces wise people from the community in which we live, young and older, to have a voice. So basically, the podcast was created just to have people, regular people on this particular podcast to talk about real things, real life situations that's going on in our community, on their lives, or, or, or for that matter, all over the world, okay? Um, this is just for those people to have a voice. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, newscasts and podcasts that have a number of celebrities and so-called intellectuals. I get it. This podcast is, is, is for the people, okay, for the people. I'm not excluding, excluding celebrities or, or intelligent people. But we want to focus on wisdom because that wisdom trumps that wisdom trumps that that intellect or that, that, that celebrity. OK, people who are just experienced, who have gone through some things and just want to talk about it on this particular show, on how we can resolve it, you know, in a resolutionary or should I say resolve it in a revolutionary way. All right. So keep that in mind. That's why this podcast was created. What will make this particular podcast unique? The podcast will be unique because individuals of various ages, ethnicities, and socioeconomical backgrounds will be welcome to join the podcast to discuss their perspectives of, of uh, current events, real life, and lived life situations of how they persevered, overcame, and still endure life's challenges. All right? My guests, Shell and Will, uh, uh, attempt to, to uh, enlighten our listeners by imparting their wisdom to our listeners in hopes to change their lives for the betterment uh, of the society in which we live. In short, be prepared to learn, all right? You're gonna learn through each one, teach one, all right? And as I said, these are just people who are not perfect in any sense, all right? Just basically have a degree of wisdom that, that they can impart with our listeners and, and empathize with what they may be going through and what they're, what they're uh, feeling at the moment, okay? This podcast, second episode is going to be, I'm going to dedicate this particular uh, episode to my beautiful daughter, Yurak Yushin. Uh, we call her Yurak. Uh, she, was, she listened to my first podcast and gave me some really uh, constructive criticism and some feedback. Look at that first episode to me was rough, but hey, I, I had to start somewhere and I'm sure I'll, I'll get better with time. But this particular podcast is going to be called Ron Duda Resolutionary Commentaries. So I'm just going to make some comments on some things that took place in the last week involving George Floyd's death. And hey, they're my opinions. These are my opinions, not yours. You have your own. But at the same time, some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree. Some of you may want to add on it at a later time. Who knows? We'll, we'll have you to call in to comment at some time, okay, at some point in time. So let's start with, with, um, with the death of George Floyd. We, we know what took place. Uh, with the death of just his brother George Floyd, but last week they had his memorial, all right? It was a very sad memorial. I thought it was really sad. It, it, it kind of hit me hard, um, just, just, um, just, just knowing his brother is no longer with us uh, for no apparent reason, no, no reason, no, no justified reason why his brother should not be uh, vertical at this time, walking with us, talking with us, out there trying to advocate for youth in the community because he was a youth advocate, uh, mentor, um, uh, man of God. Uh, and, and I mean, come on, you know. Uh, but but let's, let's jump to the memorial, okay? Um, you had Ben Crump, his attorney, speaking 
at the uh, memorial and talking about the injustices of black people like uh, George Floyd, uh, those like uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Eric Garner, to name a few. I don't know if there's somebody else I forgot I could have named, but those three people particularly um, who, was, who was killed uh, by police officers, which was very sad. So um, I don't know, and, they're, and, they're still, and it's still happening. But um, yeah, he, he made a very powerful speech. But what, what, what I didn't like about the speech was that in the middle of the, of the speech, um, Ben Crump uh, felt the need to mention names or call out names of people who were at the memorial. Uh, but those names he was calling out were all celebrities. They were, they were all celebrities. And I, and I didn't understand why we had to you know, put them on a, on a, on a pedestal at George Floyd's funeral, and I mean, and some of the celebrities he called, I'm like, I don't, I don't really care for them that much. Like, why? You know, what's what's the significance? I mean, you know, they they have their own platform. This is not about them. This is about George Floyd. And those same celebrities, I question because, again, they're more reactionary. They're not proactive. They they made their money off the backs of of of, of ignorance and off the backs of black people and so forth and so on. Um, and they're not, they're not doing anything proactive. They're trying to see how they can make their, their next million or, or, or next, you know, 100,000 or whatever the case may be. And that's just the truth, and that's my opinion on that. So um, you may want to just go check out the memorial. I'm sure you all have seen it, but that's just my opinion. We can talk about that later because I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss what, what I mean by that at a, at a later day and time on the show, all right? Also, my opinion is that although Ben Crump is a, an attorney who has uh, taken some high-profile cases, the law is the law. We could have gotten a, a local attorney in the uh, Minneapolis area to take on the case, and maybe Ben Crump would have been a guest at the memorial. Or maybe the, 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 the uh, local attorney could have taken on the case and, hey, added Ben Crump to the team. You know, Ben Crump is in Florida. I mean, he's stationed out of Florida. Well, he practices in Florida, even though he, he can practice nationwide. But that's where he, he, you know, he made his, his, his uh, recognition off of um, Trayvon Martin. But he's not the only attorney out here, or not the, the only good attorney or civil rights attorney out here. So we got we to gotta be careful with that. We got to, some of these people, again, they, they get so much uh, celebrity status in, 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 in for, 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 for causes and, you know, and, and sometimes they just lose sight of what's really, what really needs to be done for change. You know, think about that. Then you have Al Sharpton. Of course, Al Sharpton going to do what he do. You know, he, he's, he's a pastor. I mean, he's a reverend. He's going to preach. He's going he's gonna to rev up the crowd, which he did. Sounds good. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I can't speak like that, but he can. I mean, he that's what he does. All right. Um, uh, I know he made a statement in his speech about you know America get get your knee off our neck. You know how how is that? How are we gonna make that happen? All right. How are we gonna make that happen? And that's what we're working on right now. But again, it's, it's gonna take a hell of a lot of work for that for that to be to get their knee off our neck or their foot off our neck. I think it was a it was a picture I've seen one time of I think that America had their feet on our neck or something like that. I can't really recall this in my mind, but I can't recall where I saw that picture. But Al Sharpton, is, is, you know, he is who he is, and, and I, I know him from way back when. I remember know him from when I was a kid. Uh, you know, those of you who were listeners from from Brooklyn, New York, 
He used to stand on the corner of Notion Avenue and Fulton Street in an Adidas suit with a slick hair preaching with a Bible in his hand. You know, uh, but you know, he, he made his money, he's made his celebrity status off the back of pain and suffering of black people. And let me, let me be clear on something. Um, I'm, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm not, I don't know if it's considered being critical, but it maybe it's an observation, or just a fact. That the strongest of the strongest brothers from the streets of New York and abroad, they're not big fans of Al Sharpton. They really aren't. You know, Al Sharpton, you know, he, he's a fan of the church more so. And there are a lot of pastors across the nation who are fickle and oblivious to who he really is. You know, I think it was a, it was a, it was a, a sad moment when he decided to become a broad, a, a, a commentator or have his own show on MSNBC, a, a political uh, news station. You know, I, I, I thought that uh, separation, I thought it was a thing called separation of church and state. You know, politics and religion. I know that it goes hand in hand in its own way, but there's a thing called separation of church and state. You can't mix the church with, with state politics or religion with state politics. And he does it. He has a way of doing it. And that's why I, I think it's sad they call him on the show, Reverend, Reverend Al. Okay, call him Al Sharpton. Because I know when he took the contract, there were certain things he could not do to go hard for the black community. Uh, because it, it was a part of his contract. He's now a, uh, a part of a network. He couldn't do anything that was going to rub off, or should I say, uh, uh, make, uh, the, make, how can I say, uh, their listening base become less because of some uh, activism he was doing in the community. So, I, you know, Al Sharpton, they could have got a local pastor, or maybe the pastor of George Floyd's church or someone, to be the main pastor who knew George, who could make it more personal, and Al Sharpton could have been a guest or up there on the stage to make a comment, a brief comment, and let the pastor bring it home. That's my opinion. That is my opinion. So be careful with that, okay? Be careful with that. You know, listen to listen to everything with a third ear and watch everything with a third eye. All right? So that you're able to fully comprehend. All right? So let's move forward. So going forward, after the, the memorial, um, something else took place last week. It was the Breakfast Club interview with Rush Limbaugh. Oh, man, when I saw that, I immediately jumped on that. I said, let me see what this interview is going to be about. Come to find out it wasn't, wasn't actually the, the um, video interview, um, or recorded interview, it was uh, um, this audio, okay? And um, if y'all don't know who Rush Limbaugh is, y'all need to look him up. That's Rush Limbaugh, spelled L-I-M. B-A-U-G-H. Rush Limbaugh is the face, the voice of white supremacy and right wing group. I mean, the man is powerful. I mean, he got a, he has his own radio show and I mean, he, he whatever he says, anything pertaining with black people or anything about uh, Democrats or, or, or progressives and so forth and so on, his base, that's, that's, that's Trump's base right there. That is the person who is who, 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 who uh, what do you call it, blows the whistle or the dog call, whatever it is, what he, he calls on his base, the Trump base. Whatever Trump is, is speaking on, he's going to back it. Bottom line, yes, he is a Republican. You know, he is a Republican. But um, like I said, I don't think the Breakfast, uh, what, what to say, Breakfast Club wasn't ready for that interview with uh, Russell and Charlemagne. I call him Charlemagne. I can't call him by his so-called name, Charlemagne the something. I just can't. I'll tell y'all about that later. But Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and um, uh, Angelique, Angela Yee, they, they couldn't mess with this man. They, they, 
I mean, he 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 dominated that interview. He dominated the interview. Okay, um, they weren't ready. They weren't skilled enough to deal with Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh. They wasn't. They weren't wise enough to deal with Rush Limbaugh. Um, and again, I know Charlemagne has become this voice of, a, of, of, I guess, what is it, millennials? Millennial black, millennials? Definitely not the voice of black America, even though probably most people think he is, but he's not. He's not, I'm sorry, he's not. He just, he just, he just has a platform now, and he's speaking in, in, intelligently and intellectually and so forth about the plight of black people. I get it. You know, he, he got he got some stuff that he's sharing, but like I said, he could not, he couldn't mess with Rush Limbaugh, all right? So if you have never heard of Rush Limbaugh and not promoting his show, just go check him out. Go, come, go listen to some of his antics. And I think the only people I think would have been uh, better off dealing with Rush Limbaugh would have been uh, three people I, I have in mind. That would be Cornell West, if they would have had him on the show, with Rush Limbaugh to, to talk about some things. Uh, Michael Eric Dyson would have torn him apart, would have ripped him apart, okay? And Tavis Smiley, those three people. And I know y'all may think of some other people, but those three men with Rush Limbaugh and his age group, they would have, it would have been a battle. And, I, and Rush Limbaugh knew that. And I think it was ironic that he called, I, th- I believe he called the Breakfast Club to want to, to uh, be interviewed because someone his people told him about the breakfast breakfast club he didn't know nothing about it that's what he said in the interview so i think it was a setup i think it was not a good interview that, that benefited us i think it only made rush limbaugh uh, uh stronger because i'm sure his listeners who had never listened to the uh breakfast club they are listening to it so they're really hearing what's going on on the breakfast club which some of the stuff that's on the Breakfast Club is not on point. It's not the the, 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 the the full voice of black America or the full voice of all millennials. Okay, there are a lot of followers, but again, you gotta kinda gotta listen to that show with a third ear, okay, and look at it with a third eye, and, and most of us don't, all right? So moving forward, um, the mayor of, uh, the mayor of, of DC, Mayor Bowser, uh, she made a power move in her last year as uh, D.C. mayor, her last term, when she made uh, created Black Lives Matter Plaza. That, that was a power move. That, that was a power move, and that was a, that was a power move by her. Um, that's all I can say. She, she did her thing, especially after Donald Trump called her incompetent. Like, this dude has t- the temerity to call this, this woman incompetent. Like, she is a mayor. She's a black woman, number one. I don't know any black women that are literally incompetent. You know, black women are wise women. I don't care how much they might act crazy sometime or whatever, but black women are the closest thing to God. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care what. All right? And But she, she she's far from incompetent, but it was a power move on her part to put that Black Lives Matter big painting that can be seen from the satellite that said Black Lives Matter, that was a power move. Although, let me go back on the other side, although it was a few years ago, in her first term, she wasn't that popular in D.C. You know, she was popular, but not that popular because there was a lot of stuff going on in D.C. in the area of gentrification that she supported some stuff that there were some people that were unhappy with her who felt like they were pushed out of the community. And you know how that goes. You know the, the politics game, if you don't know. 
yeah, you know those mayors and, and, and city council people, they, they have their hands in somebody's pockets, some developers' pockets and so forth to get some things done, and, and that's where she was at the time. So if she's going to go all out with the Black Lives Matter, I, I can honestly say she has redeemed herself. So, so, so pay attention to that. You know, keep up with that Black Lives Matter movement, which I, which I um, support, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. But again, she really did it big with putting that particular um, painting on and, and, and making it Black Lives Matter Plaza. And from what I heard was, after they finished the painting, uh, the painting of Black Lives Matter, it immediately was changed on Google Maps, like put on Google Maps, so they didn't waste any time. So it's there. I don't know how long it's gonna be there, but it's gonna be there for some time, okay? Um, long as she's mayor, whoever, if the mayor after her decides to keep it, whatever, I don't know, you know how that goes, okay? But anyway, with that being said, with that Black Lives Matter, y'all want y'all to think about something. What will be the televised resolution? What will the, what will the televised resolution begin? Or what it would look like? I'm not saying revolution, I'm saying resolution. Ron, do the resolutionary. What would be the televised resolution? All right, it's, it's happening now. They're talking about it. They're talking about bills being passed for to stop police brutality amongst black and brown people. Um, but at the same time, it's a bigger picture. We have to go all out. We're talking about police brutality, income inequality, uh, uh, job discrimination, uh, uh, you, you name it. You know, housing discrimination, all across the board. Everything that stratified us as a people. You know, um, structural racism is, is systemic. You know, we just can't, don't get lost in this whole thing about police brutality. You got to focus on a whole gamut of what that resolution is. How, do, how can we... How can, how can we resolve the conflict uh, that America has with black and brown people, African-American people, black African people, okay, black Americans? How can we resolve that? That's gonna be televised, okay? That's, that you'll probably see on TV, some things are gonna be resolved, but you're also gonna have the untelevised revolution. The untelevised, should I say, the untelevised revolution meaning the revolution will not be televised. Big ups to uh, Gil Scott Heron. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. All right, let me, let me share something with you all, people. There, is going, there, there are going to be some revolutionary activities that are going to take place that's not going to be seen on TV. And what you're not going to see on TV can, can possibly hinder the resolution that we are asking for, demanding. So don't get caught up in, in what's on TV. Those Some issues gonna, are going to be resolved on TV, but the revolution, the real power, the change, you're not gonna hear about it, you're not gonna see it. Because there's gonna be those laws being written every day, every month, every quarter, every year with, 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 with the uh, Senate and the um, House of Representatives, things of that nature that you, you, most people are not going to know about until it's, it's too late. That's the revolution that will not be televised that, would, that Gil Scott Heron was talking about. So don't sleep, people. Don't sleep. Remember, there's a masses of people that are out there that are, that are out there on the streets for, for good reason. You know, I, I, I commend everyone that's, that's, that's out there for the worthy cause. I get it. Been there, done that. 
at the same time, you know, um, there's a revolution that's, that's taking place that you won't hear about. And that's what you need to be paying attention to. There's too many people paying attention to what's in front of them, what they can see with the two physical eyes, physical eyes, but they're not talk, they're not looking at that unseen. That which is all powerful is unseen. And that's not gonna be televised. So we need more people to focus on what's not televised, which which is probably gonna be emphatically impossible to do, but we need more people to focus on what's not being shown on TV, what's not being said in the media but what's being put on paper as we speak, as legislations are being written, or, or executive orders are being written, or judges are making decisions, Supreme Court judges are making decisions. We have to focus on that too, okay? There's a numbers game. There's a numbers game. It's called 5%, 10%, 85%, okay? 85% of the people who don't know, fickle, uh, fickle and oblivious, who are, who, who don't really understand what's really going on. Then you have that 10% that know what's going on, but they feed and, and, and uh, thrive off those who don't know, which is the 85%. Then you have that 5% that just know the truth, know the absolute truth. Don't waver for no one. Don't waver for the 10% or the, or the 85%. You, don't, you know, they're the ones who just want that truth. They're, you who are listening to the show are, are considered a part of the 5%. And if you're not, you should be a part of that 5% of the population who knows the truth, okay? Those are the people who, 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 who will never sell themselves short for any reason. They're gonna always be here for the cause, not because it's popular. They're gonna be here for the cause, all right? So um, I don't know if I'm you know, finished uh, you know, c- commenting on a particular show, but let me see where we are with our time. Okay, yeah. So we, we, we're going to close out the show at this moment. I'm not going to um, talk your ears. I just kind of want to just get a feel and feel comfortable putting this information out there. This is what the show is going to be about. We're going to have real conversations. Some of the stu- conversations are going to be somewhat or topic matters are going to be kind of structured, but never are they going to be, um, what's the word? they're never going to be uh, scripted, okay? We're just going to have some, some bullet points and some topics we need to discuss but we're gonna go hard and we're gonna talk about some real stuff on this show. And I'm so grateful that you tuned in to Ron Do The Resolutionary. Um, I hope you like the show. Hope you uh, uh, subscribe to the show. I wanna get as many listeners as possible, pass it on. You know, let them know I'm a, I'm, 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 a, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a cousin, I'm a friend, I'm a family member. Just, just, just listen, let me know, give me some feedback, all right? It, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. All right, with that being said, I'd like to tell you again, I am Ron Duda Resolutionary, and I am signing out, and I appreciate you all listening again, and, uh, and uh, like I said, just stay tuned for, uh, stay tuned for episode three. Um, that will be coming up in the next few days, probably by next Sunday, until we kind of get a grasp of things, and who knows, I may be putting out the podcast two times a week, or just may, maybe once a week for now, so bear with me, okay? Thank you again for listening. I'm Ron Du, the Resolutionary. Peace and blessings to you all, and uh, stay safe. And uh, again, don't take things on face value. Listen with a third ear. Look at things with a third eye. And pay attention to the revolution that will not and is not being televised. Peace and blessings. I'm out.